0: Well, my name is Nick Garrett, I'm the, I'm the worship pastor here, and Mike's reminding me, thank you, there's like a list of things I have to remember. Um, if, if you are in kindergarten through third grade, you are welcome to go back to Kids Church if you'd like. That is usually the thing that I forget to say when, when, when I'm up here, but I'm, I'm the worship pastor here at Normandale Baptist Church, and if you've been with us for uh, I think just the last few weeks, we have started our elder preaching series through the book of Proverbs, Um, And last week, Adam um, Covington preached on peace, and he did an excellent job of it. It it concerned me a little bit that I was preaching the next week because if you, if you, peace and conflict are kind of, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a back and forth. And so, as the person who was preaching right after him and not the person who preaches all the time, I was a little concerned that what would happen is I would run out of time to get prepared for it. So, what he actually did was he he gave me a lot of good a lot of good information to to go with, um, but I wanted to you guys. It doesn't take much to find conflict, and and I wanted to show you. I didn't want to sugarcoat it, and I didn't want to I didn't want to just go around issues and and be like baby stepping and and just kind of tiptoeing through the waters of conflict. And so I want you to be prepared this morning that we're gonna. We're, we're, we're going to talk conflict. And so I'm going to start off with the biggest one. I want you guys to just be prepared because you may be offended here this morning. Um, and some of you guys are like, whatever. Uh, watch. So we're going to, we're going to talk about the, the biggest one of the 21st century. Danny, if you will put that up right now. So... Raise your hand if you see um, this dress is white and gold. Okay. Raise your hand if you see that this dress is some other nonsense, like blue and black or something. Okay. All right. Okay. So here's, here's what I wanted to start with this morning. What we need to know from the beginning is that this is a picture of an actual dress that has an actual color. Like, there is a right answer to this, this dress. What color is the dress? In reality, if, it's, if you're looking at it in the, at, the, at the shop, it's blue and black. Here's the problem with that. Don't celebrate too quick. Here's the problem with that. You're looking at an image. You're looking at an image that can be distorted you're looking at an image that may not represent fully the color of the actual dress itself. And so I have my own biases. You have your own biases. We're looking at the same exact picture, and half of us, or more than half of us, see one color, and a little bit less than half see another color, looking at the same picture. So as we start talking about conflict this morning, I wanted, I wanted you guys to set, I wanted to set the tone that there is a right answer, And there's an answer that God cares about. But I wanna suggest that when we start, our opinions and our beliefs and our thoughts about any conflict may not be 100% in line with God's because he's the only one that knows the actual answer to what makes him happy. And so I just wanna challenge you this morning as we get started that before you take on and before we take on this notion that my view on a certain conflict is correct i want you to think about the fact that there are other people who are highly intelligent who are coming from a different side of it and they have just as much potential to have biases and and incorrect views of something that actually has a, a right answer so if you guys will turn with me to, to the book of proverbs as I said last week, Adam spoke on peace. And Proverbs, it's not, it doesn't work linearly like, like some scripture and some passages where you read verse one and, and it starts the story and read verse 20 and it ends the story. Proverbs has a lot of, of back and forth where it's greater is this person who does this than this person who does this. Greater is the wise who does this versus the fool who does this. And so I'm not gonna read straight through Proverbs 15. Um, I'm gonna pick a few Um, to start off with. Starting at verse one. Proverbs is um, right after the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Here's some of you guys. I I do love to hear the sound of the pages turning. That's cool. Um, Verse one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many of you guys have know somebody who in the middle of a conflict, all they have to do is say, say a few words and the conflict de-escalates. I don't have that skill specifically, but I've been in, in, in arguments or in, in rooms where like people, tension starts to rise and one person, just, just with the way he speaks, completely dissolves the tension. It's a, it's a gift and it's something that we need to be striving for. But verse, going to verse um, two, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouths of fools pour out folly. And go to verse four. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Think about the power that scripture is saying about our ability to give life to a situation or the power that we have to completely tear somebody down. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, But perverseness in the tongue breaks the spirit. And then, if you guys will go to um, verse 7 the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but not so the hearts of fools. There's a verse um, in um, the New Testament where, where Paul is saying that it's out of the mouth, or out of the heart, the mouth speaks what you put yourself around and what you surround yourself with is going to determine what you're thinking and what you're saying. And for anybody who would disagree, mostly teenagers do this, but if anybody who would disagree, how many, I'm not gonna do a show of hands, that would, be, that would be embarrassing. How many of us have put ourselves in front of a television show that we got addicted to that wasn't really wholesome and now we're thinking the, the words that we saw on that television show? We may not say it, but we're thinking it. It's because we put that in our ears and in our hearts, and out of, the, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. And right here in verse 7, it's saying that the lips of the wise spread knowledge. People who are wise think about what they're going to say, and they filter it by what's their, what their heart is saying and versus what is wise to say, what's de-escalating in the conflict. Whereas not so the hearts of fools. I'm not calling anybody in here a fool, but the, this, this verse in Proverbs is saying if, if all you do is spew out things that are on your heart without thinking about what you're saying first, the Bible's literally saying the hearts of fools just, just spread stuff out that's not knowledge. And then I want to go to verse 33. It's the last verse. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility Comes before honor. That's that's a that's a hard verse to read because we want the honor and we want we want to win arguments, but humility comes before honor. Now I'm not. I actually asked my daughters this question um, yesterday or whatever day it was. I'm not what you would consider a, a road rage driver. I know Mason has, has spoke many times about how he struggles with that sometimes, but I, I don't struggle, I don't get super frustrated or I don't honk my horn or yell at people. I do like to tell my kids in the car when, when someone does something wrong, I like to point out the mistake that every driver's made right around me. Just let them know that they didn't, they, I can't believe they just cut me off. That was so um, inconsiderate. And I mean, because my daughter, my oldest is 14, she needs to know the rules of the road and what, what happens that affects other people, right? It's, it's, it's not because I'm upset or angry or bitter. I'm trying to be instructive. It's not road rage. <laughs> Last week I'm on I-30 and I'm in the left lane and I'm passing a car in the middle lane and a car pull, uh, cars are coming up behind me and so I wanna get into the middle lane but there's another car in the right lane who's trying to get into the middle lane because they're trying to speed past the slow car in front of them. And so we do this for a little bit where we're just kind of playing back and forth, deciding who's gonna get that middle lane, who's not. I finally go ahead and take it. um, And just because that means that there's there's nothing but a wreck gonna happen from doing this too long. So I take it because I wanna wanna selflessly let those law-breaking speeders fly past me on the left lane because I'm in their way And this car in the right lane slows down, swerves past me in the middle lane, all the way to the left lane, drives by, and as he's driving by, he gives me the dreaded, not what you're thinking, he gives me the dreaded glare. It's this one right here. (laughs) And how many of you guys have seen the glare before on the road? Okay, how many of you guys have given, never mind. Um, (laughs) There's some questions you don't always want answered out loud in front of everybody. Sometimes, sometimes when that happens, tension starts to build and you get angry. I don't know why. Well, he looked at me wrong. I'm mad. I I have a righteous anger because he looked at me that way. As he's driving by, never met him, we'll never see him again probably, but usually tension builds and I get a little frustrated. Why does he look, if he only knew I was selflessly getting out of the way of those guys instead of his selfish way of crossing in and getting around that, that car that was going slow, Like, we could be best friends. If I could pull over and we could talk it out, he would love that. But my point is, I feel like I understood, and I don't mean to build myself up, but I feel like I understood the situation from a whole, like what was happening. I was trying to get out of the way of these cars so that these cars could, could go. He was trying to get around this car so he could get to wherever he's going faster. I feel like my desire was a little bit. I feel like I had a little more understanding of the situation, and so I was a little more at peace when he got mad and flew by and drove around. He was not as, in as much peace as I was. Of course, I also got the middle lane, so I won, I guess. <laughs> but I think that. But that's what happens a lot. Of, a lot of times, you know, you get that face from people, and we start to get. We start to get mad because he gave you a look. Or maybe he, some other gesture that you guys have probably seen before and hopefully not ever, ever done. But in that moment, I, I did have a better understanding. But when there's conflict, a lot of times there is a right answer to the conflict. Or an answer that God would, would, I would be happy with and his will abides in. But it's kind of like that dress that we don't necessarily have a full understanding of what it is God wants in the whole scope of the situation. But we sure can see opposition views and say, I want to win because I feel like this is what was right, this is what God wants, and so if I wanna win, and they wanna win, and the conflict is here, and it's either I win or they win, I'm gonna see them as the enemy. And sometimes what happens is it becomes less about us solving a problem, and more about me defeating my enemy. Um, while I felt like I was, I was at peace in the situation and I know he wasn't, I wanna take you to, to, to the book of Psalms. I feel like every time I preach, I go to this, this specific verse and chapter, Psalms 23. And most of you could probably quote it in your head. But I love the fact there can be peace in conflict. What Adam said last week was, was that for you to have peace, understanding comes with peace, or peace comes with understanding. If you understand a situation, if there's conflict and you have a, an understanding of what's, what's really going on around you, then you can be at peace. In the book of Psalms, chapter 23, David is describing being in a battle. Even though I walk, this is verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this next verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then skip to verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's in a a war, he's in chaos, he's in tension, there's a battle going on. But he's at peace because in the middle of that conflict, God doesn't say, I'm going to come and rescue you. He says, I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And he's comforted and he's at peace because he understands that he is right where God wants him to be. So he's not super focused on winning the battle specifically or super focused on winning this specific war. He is right where God wants him and he's at peace with it. And I, we, we struggle with that when, when it comes to conflict is that we, we get super focused on an issue or a topic and we don't want to let that go. And we'll fight tooth and nail to try and make sure our way is seen as the right way and that everybody else is convinced that we're right. And so we get tense and we, we get angry and we get frustrated. But with understanding we have what Adam was talking about. We have peace. And it takes work. You can't, under, conflict is, you can find conflict anywhere. Uh, Friday, conflict just abounded. But there's conflict everywhere you turn. It's like Starbucks. And it's just as bad. Sorry. Some of you guys are like, well, I hate you now because you just said Starbucks is bad. I'm trying to escalate a little conflict to see your, your, your pride level rise a little bit. But there's conflict everywhere. And so how do we deal with that? How do we deal with conflict when you you understand it's inevitable that you're gonna come into into contact with it? How do you deal with it and be at peace with it? Look at, turn to Matthew chapter 12. It's in the New Testament. I wanna point you to to Jesus' focus. A demon, this is verse 22. Matthew is the first, first book in the New Testament. It says, a demon-possessed man, in verse 22, was blind and mute and brought to him, and he, he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. All the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, you know something good's not coming from that. When the Pharisees heard it, they said it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. So something, Jesus did something amazing and miraculous and could not be done by anybody else. And instead of celebrating, you have people who are looking for conflict, seeking it out, and they immediately start to go and say that it's, it's by the devil, that he, that he, he, by demons, that he gets rid of this demon. And Je- Jesus says in verse 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So uh, this morning, I want to I challenge you, like, what are you putting yourself around? Are you always watching Fox News? Or are you always turning to CNN or MSNBC to get your, to get your information? And I would challenge, how much time are you spending in front of that, that media source versus how much time we're spending in the, the word of God that matters more than any of that. Because all we're seeing on, on, on any of those channels is we're seeing a distorted image of what's really, really happening. And we're making all our decisions from it. Whether we like, I mean, here, I'll, I'll give you an example. If I am a Republican and a conservative, what channel do you think I would turn to? I would turn to Fox News because if I turn to that channel, I'm going to hear all about how Biden's doing a horrible job and about how he's the reason our country is going down and gas prices are so high and there's war in Ukraine and how um, um, the the I don't know the daylight savings time is the way it is like it's it's his fault about everything. But if I'm a Democrat or or liberal or whatever, I'm going to some other channel, CNN. MSNBC or something and I'm going to hear about how amazing he's doing in the midst of all these chaotic circumstances and he's doing so great and if I want to watch television and if I want to, to bolster my righteous opinion about issues I'm going to turn, tune to the channel I want because they're going to feed me what I, what I want to hear and I'm telling you some of us and, and I went through a period where I had to do this too, some of us need to be more in this than in that. Because with understanding comes peace. And if we're focused on that, I guarantee you we don't know the answer to a lot of, a lot of the world's problems, whether, whether it be some of the big ones, like um, gun control and, and stuff like that, or the right answer for how to handle abortion rights and, and LGBTQ stuff and all. We don't, as a church, we don't know how to, how to we don't know the right answer as we communicate with non-Christians. And so I wanna, I wanna suggest that we need to be in the word of God getting understanding on how to love these people and how to love them right so that they, they're following who they're supposed to be following and they're seeing, they're seeing Jesus in us. I want to try something real quick. Danny, will you show this? this it's a little short video, but it, it, I, want, I want to see how, how attentive you guys can be. Go ahead, Danny. This is a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. How many passes did you count? The correct answer is 15 passes. Congratulations. But did you see the gorilla? <laughs> okay, Danny, you can move on. Okay, all truth. its this, this, this made me nervous putting up just because I was like, what if it fails and everybody sees it? Raise your hand if you got the actual count right, the number of times the ball was passed. Okay, not as many as I think there should have been, but that's okay. <laughs> raise, raise your hand if you actually saw the gorilla the first time. Okay, that's okay. Some of you did, some of you didn't, that's fine. But here's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prove from this. We select what attention we're going we're gonna to engage in and focus on. And when we do that, we miss some of the, miss some of the details or, or the, the bigger picture because we're hyper-focused on this one topic. So I want, this, this, my wife will tell you this frustrates me to no end. I hate going to, to Little League baseball games or any sports right now because of the kids are playing and the parents start yelling at each other and fighting and cops getting called and... We are super focused on this aspect and we, and we start fighting about it because we want to win and we don't see the bigger picture of our children are now embarrassed that we just did that. We just set a horrible example for our children because we did that. But I'm going to ask you guys this. Let's say it's a major league baseball game. Hitter hits a home run. He rounds the bases, he's taunting the pitcher, he's, he's making all kinds of faces and whatever. He, the lineup bats through, he comes back around and, and the pitcher hits the batter. Batter charges the mound, bench is clear, people are fighting. like it's, Some of you are like, that's repulsive. I can't, I can't believe millionaires would do this and be an example like that for our kids. But half of you are probably going, that's awesome, that's the only reason I would turn tune into a game like that. They need more of that in baseball so that let's, I would tune in. I know some of you do it because some of you are giggling already. Guys, it wasn't that long ago. The Rangers, um, there was a, a, a batter who hit a ball, ran to first, ran to second, underslid one of our second basemen. Um, the guy gets up and our second baseman pushes him. The guy tries to hit him, and then our second baseman hits him in the, in the chin and the jaw so hard his legs stagger. The benches are cleared, and if you don't believe me that this is what we want to see, I've gone to Rangers games since, and it's still on the video board to energize the crowd. Like, that is what we're we're wanting to see and what we're wanting to to fuel our minds before a a competition happens, before a game happens. (laughs) Sorry, Rick. The stars, hockey, hockey. That's one of the major things that happens in hockey is they fight, and we are encouraged, and we love it, and we, we, we want to see the fights and pulling the jersey over their head and giving the little uppercuts and stuff. We are drawn to that, and it's evidenced by the fact that they use it on the Jumbotron to energize the fan base. And I'm, I'm not saying this with judgment, by the way, because I, I, I fall into that category 100%. I sometimes will go through YouTube going, oh, that fight's awesome. And so, so I'm not judging anybody. I am telling you this is just what we feed on and what we want. There's a reason that girl drama is so big in middle school. and It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be girl drama. It can be boys, and it doesn't have to be middle school. It can be all of us. We can be petty. We can be, we can be wholly unforgiving. We can be spiteful. We can be that way because we want to feel like we are right. And if I need to feel like I'm right and you're my enemy, I, I possibly will lie or I'll possibly omit facts and truths that wouldn't help my case. Or if I can't win an argument that way, maybe what I do is I, I speak condescendingly to you or tear you down to where you don't want to fight anymore. So now we've talked about like big issues like the you know the Roe v. Wade, stuff like that. But what about in our, our daily life? Daily confrontations, daily conflicts? Do, do, do we fight fair in those moments? Because what ends up happening is we want to win, and we are willing, because of our pride, because we feel like we're right, we are willing to do whatever it takes to win at any argument. That's the American way. We're going to win. I wanna remind you what Proverbs said. We just read verse four. What is a a gentle tongue? Anybody remember? It's a tree of life. But perverseness in it can break the spirit. So my wife and I are having a disagreement with the power that I have in, in, in my ability to choose words, I can either build her up and put, and put life into her spirit as we're talking and, and even having a disagreement, or I can completely tear her down to the point where she doesn't even wanna have the discuss, discussion anymore because I just ripped her apart. And we can do that in these conversations and we have the power to do it. Something like, who took out the trash? why wouldn't it have it out in time? The trash truck came. What's going on? Why, why, we got this trash piling up. This is, not, this is not a specific one to me, by the way. Or why did you spend money on that? This, this one could be. <laughs> or what about if you're, you have a coworker who's lying to get ahead in, in, in their position and they end up getting your position because they've lied and their employer saw them as doing marvelous work, and so they, they, put you, they put them in the place that you were going for and you were doing it fairly and they weren't. It happens. Or why did the guy glare at me on the road when we were driving? I, I, was, just trying, I was just trying to be selfless and get, get around these cars so they could speed on by. Little conflicts happen every single day and I'm not gonna say every moment, but when you're not even looking. Right now, there are millions of people in this country right at this moment, protesting, filled with rage and hurt and panic and disappointment and frustration and I I can't imagine their hurt and their pain. But it's all over the country. And if I looked at them as my enemy, then what I'm gonna think is, I won. I won. Like the abortion has been... Turned down nationally, and so it's going to the states. We live in Texas. So I won. And the war's over in my mind. Meanwhile, there are people who are not believers in Jesus, who are hurting and in pain. And I'm going to tell you, church, that they, they think that we are in part responsible for their hurt and their pain and their injustice that they're dealing with. So we can say, yeah, well, we're right. Because we're... we're we're right because God loves the innocent. God loves the ones who are unborn. So that law was, that law was no good, so we got, we got rid of it, so we won. And what they hear is I hate you. And you're wrong, and you're unworthy. I'm not saying they're right, but what I'm telling you is their perception of us is their reality. And so I want to encourage us this morning and and today and tomorrow and the days to come, how can we be a part of of loving to these people? How can we be a part of the Great Commission? Because church, 2,000 years ago, you know, we, we want to win every argument. 2,000 years ago, our Savior, our, the one we're following, the one who said, go and be disciples, the one who we claim to say, we're following you with everything. He went before Pilate. And Jesus had all authority given to him. And he could have said, no, I'm not going to the cross. You can't do anything. You can't do anything to me. I'm getting out of this. And you're dethroned. And Rome is gone. And... These are my people. I'm going to overthrow Rome, which is what the Jews wanted and they were expecting their Savior to do. And Jesus could have done that. But do you know that if he had done that, we would still be dead in our sins without any hope. So I want to challenge you this morning that just as Jesus did it, that maybe we need to be okay with losing little petty minor arguments not going so far as challenging everything on Facebook N- not arguing with our spouse to the point where they no longer, neither one of you have an idea of what you're fighting over because all you see is is the other one is the enemy because there are people on both sides of every issue, whether it's the dress, or whether it's gun rights and mental health, whether it's abortion, there are people on both sides of the issue that Jesus went to the cross for. And if all they think about us is that we love, we love our issues more than we love Jesus, that's all they're gonna hear. And they're gonna turn away from Jesus potentially forever and be destined for eternity in hell away from our maker. These issues are important. Like every, every, God cares about every topic that's at your heart. But I think when we are able to do what we sang about that we can rest in his hands and trust that Jesus has all of it. And it frees us up to understand that we can just love people. I don't have to convince you that I'm right and that you're wrong. What I have to do is figure out how to love you to Jesus no matter what. And so I want, I want to give us a minute just to reflect. I have, one of the things I have, had never heard growing up um, and my mom's here. I hate, to, I hate to say this with her here just because it might probably make her emotional. But I never heard my dad say "I'm sorry. And I'm sure there are other people in this room who never heard authority figures in their in their life say, "I'm sorry. I, I messed up. So maybe you're in either in conflict with someone or maybe you know of a conflict you've had where a relationship has been torn or broken down or maybe you struggle with pride and conflict and you will not budge will not ask for forgiveness will not acknowledge that you are wrong and it's hard I I still struggle there are times that I'm wrong and, and I struggle to tell my kids or my wife I'm sorry But a gentle tongue is a tree of life. And perverseness in it can break the spirit. So I'm gonna give you guys a moment just to bow your heads. And if you would say that's you this morning, that you are someone who struggles with pride, and in conflict maybe you are one that holds on to being right. I just wanna, I want you to ask God to convict you of areas where maybe that's something you need to let go. let just let the Holy Spirit this morning convict hearts where he wants morning you need to say i'm sorry to is there somebody that you need to forgive Would you be one that says, I need more Bible and more word of God and less political? Is there someone who needs more peace and less conflict? Everywhere, and when I wake up, it's in front of my face. I get in my car and drive down the road, and it's on—it's in on the road with me. God, i i don't know always have the right words to say, the right aspect or posture to have with people who disagree with me on what I consider to be fundamental issues. But I know, Jesus, that you came to earth and you allowed Pilate and you allowed the Pharisees to think they won when you went to the cross. Help me to know where relationships are hanging in the balance because I want to win because of my stubbornness and my pride. As a nation, Father, I pray that we would be be seen by by our country, that believers would be seen by our country as people who love you, more than any issue, more than any topic, and that we love others more than all those things as well. The good thing that I know, Jesus, is that you are in control. And that while our enemies are not people, they're not flesh and blood, They're not people who disagree with me. Help me to love those who are on the other side of the issue. And I pray throughout this day, and every moment, God, you would convict us where we've wronged someone and need to apologize. Help us to live with humility. Because your word says that humility comes before honor. Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.